Welcome everyone back to The Time Is Now. This is a special podcast, special episode. This is a continuation of the full interview with Annie Stafford, my mother. So go ahead and enjoy this one, guys. It's the full interview. Get to hear everything she had to say just the other day. So we're finishing off Women's Heritage Month with this final special podcast. Enjoy. Stand up and be counted. Don't be ashamed to cry. You gotta be, you gotta be bad. You gotta be bold. You gotta be wiser. You gotta be hard. You gotta be tough. You gotta be stronger. You gotta be cool. You gotta be calm. You gotta stay together. All I know, all I know, love will save the day. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Time Is Now. I have an extremely special guest. For the first time ever, you have the mother of your yours truly, Miss Annie Stafford. Welcome to the building. How are you feeling today? I am blessed. Uh, to God be the glory. I'm here. All right. I'm glad to have you on um, today as we finish off Women's Heritage Month. I wanted to pay homage to you and for everyone to hear your story because you have a great, great story. I didn't want to keep it to myself. So I said, let's have a conversation. Let's welcome everyone in so they can learn something from the great Annie Stafford. So, Miss Annie, I know you're retired now, but before that, what did you do? Well, first of all, um, I worked, I love vocational schools because college is not for everyone. I believe in education. And so I worked at vocation, in the vocational school industry for over 30 plus years, inspired young generation to the next level. I bonded with applicants from all walks of life students. I made a big impact in their lives and they're all doing well and I want to thank God for that. I always say if I ever win the lottery, those kids or students or applicants that went through me at vocational colleges, I would like to pay off some of their student loan if they made the best out of it. And I have got graduates that have been, they're working for various industry institutions and I do have some ties with them, owners, etc etc so i was blessed in their lives and i want to thank god for guiding me in that area and i worked for kaplan for years and so on so it was a big big move for me and i love what i did it was a joy waking up every day to go meet with different students from walks of different parts of the world and industry so Today I'm retired and I have inner peace. I know whatever I did or whoever life I impacted and they have made a change in their lives. Some of them are my best friends up to today. And I want to thank God for that. And so I'm happy. I That's... decided to retire last year when my husband mm. got sick and I did my part. I paid my part. I want to spare the special attention to him. And so far he's improving and I want to thank God for that. Right. That's true. And, I, and you're, you're being a little modest because we just had this conversation the other day um, because I tried to work, follow behind in your footsteps. I just wasn't as gifted in you in that regard, in that field. Oh, I need to stay in my lane, which I am. Um, but 
I remember a time when I was working with the company briefly um, and they took us on training and took us to a headquarters down in Chicago. And I was shocked to see your picture, your likeness, your face, your name on the wall. And they surprised me with it. And then they started to, to bloviate and glorify you and say, and this is her son. I'm like, uh, uh, what's happening right now? And they were all asking me, they were treating you like a celebrity. Speak to me, speak to us a little bit um, more about why you were there uh, in headquarters, not you personally, but your likeness was there and why you're on the wall. How did, how did that happen? Well, you know, in everything, God give everybody a gift. I think I was, I had a gift. When you have a gift, you have to nurture it. I'm a people's person. I love people and I like to move people to the next level. I believe in teaching people how to fish so they can fish for the rest of their lives. So I'm from West Africa, culture-wise. We always have to help and give in. We, you know, our parents, I believe, retired at 50 or 55. So as children, we have to be there for our, for our, for our parents and our siblings. And I'm the oldest of all my siblings, and I'm always there to give. Uh, you guys remember, I always tell you guys, if we make 50 cents, 30 cents is for us and 20 cents is to reach out to help others. I was not selfish, and I believe in helping other people, and I think that just extended to the nature in the vocational school industry. Vocational school, I met so many different persons, like a mother hen. I can relate to these students, and I bring to, I, I did whatever I have to do. God guided me every day, gave me the energy. I used to go beyond uh, 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 my job as an admissions rep. In fact, I used to be a foreign admissions rep issuing I-20s to international students. And I had special bond. I would do so many jobs. I was the hostess. I was everything. I used to do 10 jobs in one. And going to Kaplan, I just exploded and um, and it just, as I said, it's a gift. And I was top five in the nation, nationwide. And I don't look at it as a competition because if you, you are blessed with a certain gift, uh, to me it was a blessing and gift of God. And I, I love the energy, putting smile in somebody else's faces. That was the that was the best gift anybody can give me. I get gifts every day. Students bring all kind of gifts to me. I say you don't need to give me nothing. The only thing you have to do for me, change your life, do something better for yourself, and they did. And so that inspired me to move on. I know people were looking at say, oh, she was top notch out of five hundred. But I didn't look at it that way. I didn't look at it that way. And I, as I said, uh, I just love what I did. It's like a pastor just love to preach to, to his sermon every Sunday. And I just go and change the students' lives. And I want to thank God for giving me the strength to do that and uh, to motivate others, to put smile in their faces. I cry with them. I always have tissue boxes in my, in my office. And I take food for sale. I, do, I did whatever I can do. And I challenge others. I remember years ago, I think you remember Laverne, I used to have a student at, at one of our campuses. And summertime, it was very difficult for her to have childcare for her only child. I invited her to come to my house. I said, look, having a child is a blessing from God. The, you are going to stay in school. We are going to jump all those hurdles. And I embraced her. 
her God, her daughter to come to live with us. And I was so worried about you because you were very challenged. You don't accept everybody that easily. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is you like this kid. And so we moved on. We ended up to be a very close family and so on and so forth. I remember at one point I did Avon. I will go to my client's home. They don't have food. And I'll come home and tell my husband, oh, so and so, how do I have food? I will come home, take food from my refrigerator, take over my, to their homes. My husband used to say, what kind of salesperson are you? I said, that's okay. They don't have anything. So I'm always there to give. I try not to be selfish and I try to raise you guys not to be selfish. And I want to thank God for that because I think some of those values instilled on you guys and my kids are not selfish. They're always there to help others. And that's the best way to live. You can only eat so much. Um, if you have a pound of bread, just share with somebody, lift somebody up. I'm always there to lift someone up, to motivate them because you never know tomorrow. You never know it's a small world. You don't look down on no one. You never know. And if these young kids coming up, you never know who's going to be there for you. And I'm telling you because when I was at um, Cap when I was at Kaplan, one of my other schools or campuses, one of my students, um, I met her a few years ago when my mom was sick or graduate, I can say. And now she's big time executive at this hospital. I don't want to name the hospital. So, but, so one day she came, my mom's insurance was not able, they were not able to give her all the benefit that she, that she needed. They were about to discharge her early you know, this comes with insurance stuff. And she said, he said, he said, you don't remember me. He said, remember years ago, I used to, um, you used to give me boss tokens and you used to help me out with a few dollars. I was a single parent then. I said, really? He said, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm in charge of this facility. Your mom can stay here as long as she wants. I said, oh my goodness. So you never know tomorrow. You don't look down on no one. You don't, don't, you don't know who's going to lift you to the next level. So um, again, I went into uh, the admissions rep. I went work at vocational school. I didn't look at a competition. I just loved what I did. And God just blessed me to shine. And that's true. And that's funny you bring up um, Auntie Vernie and how y'all met. And it's like you, like you said, you took someone that was a student, you saw something in her, and she made her family. She would do stuff with us. Go, I think she went on vacations with us. LaJoya, right? LaJoya, her her only child, and LaJoya was like a cousin to us and, and, and everything. We just spend summers together. So I can I remember that vividly. And and she's actually ended up becoming one of my favorite aunties. You have blood aunties. Most of them lived across the water. So all we have, all they have was Auntie Adra, and I had um, Auntie Vernie. It wasn't even really my blood auntie. So I, I do remember that. And and yes, your your ways of doing things have definitely led over to um, my sister and, and myself. So we thank you for that. Um, so mom, that's mom. I'm sorry. Miss Stafford. It's okay. <laughs> we... <laughs> it's okay. But... No, I, let, me, let me continue. So um, what actually, because I know you were a lot of companies. You mentioned Capital, TTCI, all these different ones um, that you were in before. Um what got you into that field? How did you grab it? Because you mentioned Avon and other stuff, but what gravitated you towards? Oh, before we even do that, 
I'm going to explain to the listeners because I don't think they really, really got it. Most people may not understand or know what vocational schools or whatnot are. Uh, so what so what you were, if I remember correctly, you are like a counselor. You help people um, first find out what their niche is. They come in undecided, not knowing what they want to do. You are there to help them and assist them to find what their past may be. May it be x-ray tech or medical assistant or medical building or criminal justice, whatever it may be. There's so many different fields. When people go out there, you guys see people who assist like dentists, who assist like doctors who help with the doctor's office of billing and all these other avenues and fields who are not necessarily um you know someone who got their phd or something or got their master's these are people who assist in all those avenues they have to go and get this training somewhere they have to go ahead and, and get this um, um these certifications to do this their trades my mother is someone who helps them do that. And what makes you, and this is the thing, this is the part they're probably not getting. She says, not a competition. When you enroll in these schools, there's a high rate of people who do not finish. Oh, there's no. a reason. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. There's a, oh, no, uh, no, I know. I'm going to get to that. 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 So there, because of that, people, they'll, they'll sign you up. You're going to come half, you're halfway to it. You're going to come on your own. But a lot of people don't follow through. A lot of people don't um, show the desire to actually want to see these people go through. So reason why she was tops is not only was she putting them in the right fields where they were passionate about, but she made sure she held you accountable to make sure you finished. So she will follow you every step of the way. It wasn't just signing you up. It was getting you enrolled and making sure you finished. And that's why she was number one. That's why people came back and always looked out for it because it was personal to her it is that sound correct because that's how i remember it yeah another thing too because as i tell you when you step in my office there's no turning back we're going right. to complete this because mm -hmm. i know you don't have support system but i'm your support system or if you do i invite your family i invite your parents i know it's confidentiality act um i can't discuss certain things but i make sure it's a family affair um sometimes some you don't want to go back because they would say, you listen first of all i always listen I have to listen their part. Support system was my big key. I challenged them. They, they can't find uh, um, daycare. They can't find this. I always have, I try to have connection in this area where I work so that way I can refer these applicants to this A or B or C support system to help them. I call them nearly every day. I, I Every day when before I start work, I go check in the classrooms. I know if Johnny is not here. I know if Peter is not here. And they said, Mister, how you know? I said, I, I went. I didn't see you. So I was on top of everything. So I used to bump head with my directors because I'm not just there to fill seats. I'm there for to, for retention because these kids are taking loans for this. They need to get something out of it. And I'm on top of everything. Placement was my number one key. You're going to help my students get jobs. They have to get jobs. Why not? Why this? So I'm the person you can love and you can hate at the same time. Like I tell them, I'm not in the popularity contest. I'm there to help to help them succeed. They are not failures. They may have not been lucky enough in their life. They didn't have support system. But these are people that need help. We need to be there for them. So I nurture them. I'm like their mom. They call me auntie, any mother. In fact, in fact, I remember one time you came to one of my school, my campuses, and I was telling, introducing them to my co. I said, yeah, meet my son. Nobody take me seriously. For everybody, it's my son, my niece, my cousin. And, and then you said, I'm the real son. But that's okay. All of them were my children. 
you guys um, friends are my children um when in a house i don't have a home that um, kids cannot come in i don't try to have a white carpet on my floor but as long as you're decent you clean after yourself that's fine i have brown carpets i have brown dark furniture because it's livable you want to you welcome i cook you all can eat i remember i used to cook and melissa and her friends they would eat all the food but that's okay we are not greedy or selfish we have to share and so I've always been there for my students to graduate. And I tell you, I had the most retention. I had the most um, uh, enrollment. I, had, I have grandparents referring students to me. I have parents who go on weekend family retreat. The next time on Monday morning, my phones are lighting up. And I was the first giving students my phone number, my cell phone. I don't care. Because I don't care whose call is, whatever call, all I can say yes or no, but I do. They call me anytime. It's any. I'm in the emergency room. Said, they can't wait to share whatever they experience over the weekend with me. And to me, that makes me feel good. That's the best gift I can give to the students. And now I have some of them, they work in top, top unit colleges. They work in a top um, hospital and all over the country. And they still keep in touch with me. And I want to thank God for that. Well, that's awesome. I guess I see where I get it from because I'm very similar. They used to make fun of me as a sales manager. They said, why are you giving them your personal information? I want to make sure that they know that I'm a human being and they can reach me if they need me. So um, so that's where I get it from. I didn't even know. Okay. So quick question. What made you, what guided you towards this path of all things to do? As you know, uh, I, when I came to this country, I... Um, my father was a surgeon specialist back in Sierra Leone. So the intention was for me to do dental technology uh, so we can go home and have a family business. Uh, so then my husband did electronic engineering. So all set and path was going on um, for us to go back home when we're done. So we can have a family business. My father do the dentistry, I do dental technology. So I went to school for about three years, do dental technology, fuse gold and all that. But as again, racism was there. It was so hard for me to have a job as a general tech. So I took some college classes and everything so I can take horticultural science also um, because my father owned a poultry farm. But again, when you didn't have the right visa, you can go to top, top university. And so I ended up did the dental technology and then I can find a job. Then all of a sudden, uh, a friend introduced me to Avon, and the next I know I love what I does. Oh my goodness, um, you it was so fun, it was so fulfilling. You get appreciated. I go to all those meetings, I was top notch. I said, Wow, this is fun! I was having fun. I, then I become a district manager. I used to drive to Carson and I see all the beautiful homes because we used to live in Long Beach and I used to share with my husband. Oh, he liked his home and over there, blah, 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 because I worked on that house that we our first home. So I was doing Avon because I can't get a job as a Dylan Tech. And then we, we were not, we, uh, thing happened back home. The country was not stable. So we decided to stay here. So we bought a home and all that stuff. My husband did all kind of businesses. And from Avon, I went to all those seminars and conventions, and I loved that. And then there was an ad one time for admissions rep. I said, hmm, this is interesting. It relates to the kind of work I was doing. 
And I will not forget her name was Carolyn McGruder, this beautiful lady. So this is a man's job. And I said, no, I tried. And I did it. And um, so I, I was hired. And the next one, I got hired as an admissions rep. And I, the people that I work with, that's why I say you always have to have a positive influence. I, I, I deal with my co-workers and from morning to another. And there was this, uh, I'm not going to forget, there was this school that was interested in me. And I didn't want to go to work there. This guy heard about me, how good I was. And because that school was in West LA, I live in Long Beach. And we have you, I'm a leader at that point. And it was my I have to make sure I talk to it over to my husband. The guy invited us. He wanted to meet with me to hire me. I didn't want to go. He tried for months. I refused because I didn't want to go that far because you guys were leading with daycare and all that stuff. So one day he drove Mr. Milton Morrison. He drove all the way from West LA to meet me. Took me out to lunch in Long Beach and offered me this nice job and for Pacific Coast College and invited me. So I took my husband there. He said, this is all for you. This is your office. Everything inspired me. He said, I want you to come work for me. He came from a big corporation. It was UES. He didn't want them to bring their own reps. He wanted to hire his own rep. That was a tough cookie. He, that was the very first school that started Martin Luther King holiday before it became a national holiday or nationwide holiday. So my husband's approved and I took the job. And then I became a director of admissions. Oh my goodness, that was school was so dead. I had friends that used to tell me, please don't go there. That was mm -hmm. up on Sentinella. I was, I was a hard worker. You can't even find that school. It was behind, behind, behind there somewhere. So I did what I had to do. I used to go, there was not a job fair in town. We were not represented. We did all kinds of stuff. We had the nursing program. We started we were the first that started the weekend VN program. We started in the afternoon VN program. We had two, oh, two different nursing. We did so well, Excel, and one thing lead to another. So I started vocational school. Oh my goodness. And I didn't regret it. I didn't regret it because a lot of people go to college, they still lost. And vocational school doesn't mean you're a dropout or this and that. Sometimes you find your path in life later on in life. Or you got married early. Your adversity hits your family. Or some of these kids, um, they end up getting a high school diploma later. Some people, they lose their parents. So there's so many different reasons why people end up at the vocational school. They're not bad kids. And my job is to help them fulfill and set their goals up high and make sure they can achieve. And they are all achievers. So they need a basic foundation. They can become a VN. Then from LVN, they can go into RN and so on and so forth. So it's a start for some people. And I'm proud. I'm grateful. I was there from day one. And now I have, born, I have got so many friends and families, extended families, from this field that I chose. Wow. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. I, I love that story. Um, one thing. Now we're going to do, take you back. Everybody hears this beautiful, lovely accent. You, you mentioned earlier that you're from West Africa. Where exactly in West Africa I are you from? I am from Freetown, Sierra Leone, next to Ghana, Liberia, Nigeria. And um, I've been here for about 45 years. Wow, 45 years. So you've been here for 45 years. Tell us more about when you said you were the oldest. 
How many siblings did you have growing up? Well, I didn't want to go too deep now. Um, about, <laughs> <laughs> so I know how Americans feel. So I have eight siblings. Okay. Break it down for us, please. Well, I'm the oldest. Okay. Yeah, tell, okay, you know what? Tell, tell us about your upbringing as a whole. Tell us about you being the first kid and just bring it all the way up when each kid was born and how they all became, well, how they all well, were instrumental I, in your my life. My father, I was my father's only child for 13 years. My father was a senior surgeon specialist back in Sierra He was a well-known dentist, the late dentist Vincent. My father suddenly passed away at 60. And um, then I had... Um, um, I have Uncle Joe, I have Auntie Ajara, I have another one called Larry Larry, I have Auntie Chris, I have Auntie Angela, I have um, John, I have Yamide, and I have Bina. In fact, that's where I have nine. I have Bina, for Bina. So I have nine siblings. Because you were not counting, I guess you have, um, you know, yeah. one preceded. So yeah. you're probably counting the eight left. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, so how, how was life growing up back home? Well, you know, my stepmother, what happened here? My mom and dad were not married. So I was my father's only child for 13 years. And my, um, my grandmother, my mother was not that wealthy and rich, but, you know, she had a whole lot going for her. My grandmother, my, my maternal grandmother used to take care of me. And it's like a swap meet like, and she was a trader. So she would take me to the swap meet and she'd be in the front and I'd be in the back stall. And my stepmother didn't like that. My stepmother said, no, my father was a doctor for him to have a child in the market. No, she took me, adopt, took me away from my mom and my grandmother. And she raised me ever since I was two. So I was raised by my stepmother. Miss, late Mrs. Eva Vincent. But I always have the connection with my mom. So it's not that I'm, they took me away from her. I'll go there for holidays and I meet my other siblings and so on and so forth. So I was raised very happy and very fortunate. And I said, my father, I, did, I had everything and I was growing up and more. And so coming to America, no, I have to work because my father worked very hard. My father was an entrepreneur. He was, oh my goodness, he had poultry farm. He had a bunch of properties. He had a radio station. He had, uh, he had so many things going on. He was, even not only was a surgeon specialist, he was also a businessman. So I grew up with that mentality. My father was not lazy. And I believe if I want something, I have to work for it. And coming to this country, I was a housewife for at least two years. And I said, oh, no, no, no. Because I have to help home. I have to say, they say, don't forget where you came from. So um, I know they have a lot of organizations out here in America, but my focus is to help my people back home. And so that's what I did. Um, have, I have a lot of aunties, uncles, and they were not fortunate. And so uh, I sent stuff from you guys. Remember, I used to ship stuff back home, Easter and Christmas. Everybody have something because they don't have what we have. And I always say we were blessed. So I worked very hard. I don't believe my husband had to take care of my family, my extended family. So I did what I have to do to help my siblings. And so they like today, they're all doing very well. And I thank God for that. All right. So um, you did mention that your father was 
all these things, a, a, a dentist, doctor, specialist, entrepreneur, so forth and so on. All people know is what they see on television when they like, oh, you know, you chase cheetahs and you guys live like this, live in the sticks and you, you, you live amongst the animals. How was your lifestyle growing up? What type of home? What type of vehicles? What, what type of lifestyle did you, you know, live? I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit down. I know people, some people are so ignorant. I just try to educate them every time. Sometimes they don't even know. When they say, oh, I'm from Africa, I, said, I met somebody from Africa. I said, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. let me teach you a little bit. Next time when you meet somebody, when you say, I'm from Africa, what part in Africa? Is it from West Africa, North Africa, East Africa? Because Africa is a big continent. You can't just say, oh, I'm from here. And we, we need visas to go to Nigeria. We need visas to go to Liberia. So I was, my father was a surgeon. So he, he you know, he was westernized. He, he studied in London. So he implemented that back home. So we were raised very well back home. Uh, we had servants, we had everything. So they might call us the leaders. And I'm thankful for that. We, mm. As I said, uh, I have stuff all come from Europe. And a lot of people know me when I was growing up. No, my father was all over. He, he owned Mercedes Benz. He has like Javelin, he has chauffeur. We had servants, we traveled. So I was not raised poor. I was not raised where you see people are starving. I'm not going to lie. I'm not saying that does not exist, but not where I came from. So I was a Creole tribe, and we were raised pretty well. So uh, so now coming to America, and then I had nice things. As I said, I was my father's only child for 13 years. And people that knew me when I was growing up know how my father spoils me. His only child for 13 years. I had everything. I had servants taking care of me. I had chauffeur take me to school and all that stuff. So I cannot relate to the unfortunate people, but I didn't look down on them because my father's house, sometimes to even have water is luxury. Since my father worked for the Ministry of Health, we had water, uh, um, tap water in our house at our disposal outside and neighbors would come and get water. When it comes to TV, we had television. We invite neighbors to come watch wrestling. So my father didn't look down on no one. And he embraced people. My stepmother cooked for everybody. And the, the kids in the neighborhood called them mommy, daddy. And my father paid tuition for lots of kids because education is not free back home. To have education is a blessing. So there's a lot of kids my father educated, paid from elementary, high school, college, even helped some of them come abroad. So, and up to today, we all have good um, bond because these were all extended families. So like I raised you guys, it's not only for us. What about the other folks? I remember when you were little, I would go to the store. If I see stuff on sale, I buy like five box cereal or something. You will come and give it away. So they I said, Mikey, mom, the mom is a single parent. Yeah. And then I used to tell Mikey, I didn't tell her to leave her husband. I said, I'm too married to your dad. Oh, but you do that, but that's fine. As I said, and even when you went to college, uh, yeah. you met kids that were homeless. You, you, you were against me. the rule, but yeah. you bring them to your dorm. It's about dorm, yeah. I, uh, 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 I'm like, you I, can stay I, here, I, stay in my bed. I'll leave I'll sleep on the couch <laughs> so yeah. they won't see but you. Another yeah. thing, Melita had friends. When she decided to move back home, her friends would come stay with me and uh, so on and so forth, you know. I remember one of her friends, I'm not going to call names because we don't want to go there, but um, her parents live far away. She Because uh, college um, dorms were expensive, so in the summer they give up their, their dorms. 
And so my home is not too far from UCLA compared to where her folks live. And she would stay with me. I would beg her, please, because I didn't change the beddings and blah, blah, blah. But they would stay here. They would eat here. No problem. My home was welcoming to everybody. And they like today, that person is a doctor and so on and so forth. So you never know. And some mm. of her friends, I call them up. I always say, now nah, you need to take care of me. Whenever I have issues, I call A or B up. I call C or D up. My husband was sick. You have the doctor friends are helping my husband. Because you never know tomorrow. In this way, you don't look down on people. And that's not right. Because you may be up today. You never know who's going to help you tomorrow. Like, you know, Orlando, my, my son-in-law was saying that on the other day at Jalen's party. You know, and look what happened. Somebody close to him, help him out. And that person was nowhere before. So please, I'm appealing to everybody, don't look down on people. If you can, I'm not saying go broke to help people, but you can't just take, have a $100, give a $100 away. No. If you have a hundred, you can save 60, 70 for you, but help other people to the next level. When I say help, meaningful help, not to go to Vegas and all that nonsense. Or uh, waste your money and um, buying all that crap. You hey, I feel like this, I feel like this is getting personal. Am I? Am I? No, I like wisely. to go to Vegas. <laughs> no, use your money wisely. Save your money for rainy days because you never know tomorrow. Yeah. So that's all I'm saying. All right, and yes. Are you tired of spending your entire weekend at dealerships? only to feel as if you got a raw deal? Don't you hate all the back and forth and haggling for countless hours? Imagine this. While you're at work or having dinner or just enjoying life, the people at Pure Diamond Auto are working a great deal on your behalf. With Pure Diamond Auto, they have a team of former sales and finance managers who know all the tricks of the trade. Call 562-PDA. 7888 today for a free consultation. That's 562-732-7888. What can I say? I love PDA. So you you spoke about how you grew up and how early on your your mother was not as fortunate but later on she she did marry into a, a decent family and and was able to change her lifestyle a little bit uh tell us more can you can you elaborate more on um on your younger sister's uh father and and that side of the family well my mother was married to the former well the late president and uh, oldest son president siaka stevens so um, so I always tell them they were high class, you know, because I remember the president, he was a family oriented man. And my stepfather, we had a good bond. I didn't have a problem with him, the late um, Christian Stevens. And so whenever one of the things the president would do, he loved family, have a lot of kids from all over. And one time of the year, he would gather all his kids and siblings and kinfolks. He would charter bus, they cook and they would go to a beach and a resort for a family outing. So everybody gets to know each other. We all wear what they call us should be the same outfit. And it was a joyous occasion. So you tend to know A, you tend to know B, you tend to know C. And just like a family reunion here. Well, and he did that. And my younger siblings, and they, they grew well. And uh, when I came here, that my mission was to help my younger siblings. And I did that and I felt good about it. 
So each and every one of them I touch in different ways. Some I paid tuition for them, some I helped send them abroad, so and so on and so forth. So and um my father died early. Uh he died at 60, and I took over myself to be there to reach out to extended family. I have those aunts and uncles because my father was fortunate, like I said, he was able to help family members. And when my father passed, it's as if Santa Claus went away. So I was sending stuff home for them. I took care of all of them, each and every one. Even my stepmother used to say, you know what? Of all your father's kids, you just like your dad. Money to me does not matter. But I want to thank my husband for blessing me to do that because he allowed me to be who I am. My husband was very responsible. He took care of the home financial-wise and everything. So whatever two cents I was making, even though I do what I have to do for home, I have to help my family my extended family and he didn't question me and he supported me and he used to go with me when I ship stuff back home so I can put smile in their faces and sometimes my cousins tell me you know what I have one cousin I say any if I ever hit win the lottery you the first person come to mind because I was there for their grandmother for their mom you know you just give me fulfillment because you can't be here thinking about yourself just be selfish you know what I mean so if you want to help your church, help your church, but you also don't forget where you came from. Just don't go take everything splurge on you. What about the A or B or C? Uh, it took me a long time to buy um, expensive jewelry. The way I was working, all my friends used to buy. I said, no, 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 because I'm a student here. Why should I buy this when I have family here and may not have some food to eat tomorrow? So that was not me. And she said, Annie, you work hard. You need to splurge on yourself. And it took me a long time to start fulfilling my wishes. But in the meantime, I make sure I take care of other people first. Okay. Now, you mentioned your husband a numerous times on this show so far. Um, I want to kind of give the listeners a little backstory on that. How did you two actually meet? Well, in Africa, they say, they used to say, neighbor fall, now you find for eat. What that means um, if you, if you, you, a chicken, uh, if your neighbor's chicken is the best one to catch to eat. So my husband and I were neighbors because as I told you, my stepmother raised me, but then I used to go spend time with my mom. So the late president bought homes for his two oldest kids, my auntie, late auntie Adeline and my stepfather, Mr. Christian Stevens. So two in a lot. So I, I used to go to my mom, maybe holidays or weekends. And apparently that's where I met my husband, where he was. Anyway, that's how we met, from going to visit my mom. And so next to another, uh, you know, we're little floppies, um, uh, you know, having fun, go party, go clubbing, and this and that. And then we were dating for a little while. And then he got an opportunity to come to the U.S., to study, but we're still communicating. So whenever I go home on vacation, we get to meet, we have fun and blah, blah, blah. We, we make sure he will get, we exchange letters every week. I'm looking for that mailman. I'm looking for the mailman, like puppy love, you know? So then he will send goodies for me. That was when they had Avon and send stuff for me. We send stuff for my mom. My mom loved music. He would send music. Some, you know, the, now they call it LPs or records. I don't know why they call it. We didn't have all the high tech, but it was records. My husband would send all those stuff. You know, he was a student here. 
and uh, he was so kind. We, you know, we, 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 he sent cards. And he sent those big cards, those loving cards. It was mm. very romantic. And so we did that for a while. And one time he decided, to, he went home. Uh, suddenly, he always go and announce, but that's fine. And then he wanted me to, because I finished school and everything. My father was getting ready to send me to London uh, to go study. But then I finished school. I was working for a little bit at Post Authority. And my father was getting ready to send me to London to go to university. But then my husband showed up and uh, he wanted me to join him in the U.S. My father said, hell no, it's not happening. Because back home, way back then, it said, no, no, for you to leave common law marriage. That was like a disgrace. And a lot of things have changed now. We have to go with the flow. But that's kind of sad for your daughter to go live with a man. You guys are not married. You know, and my father was in a different status. For him to have his daughter to go live with a guy, that's a no-no. And the next, you know, these people were having babies. Things have changed now. I know, you know, the different uh, movements and so forth. So I don't look down on it, but that was a no-no uh, for my, my father's household. So my father said, if you love her so much, you're going to marry her. So he got it. we got engaged and within three, four weeks, we got married. Wow. And, and it was a big wedding, you know. Back home, when it comes to wedding, the parents do everything. We didn't even, all we know was to show up. You know, he got the ring and they did everything. And it was a big, big way. My, I was my father's oldest child and he was a surgeon specialist. Oh my goodness, people were giving him cows. They're giving him all kind of stuff. It was nice. It was a grand event. I and love it. we ended up coming back because he was, he, was, he was doing his master. So we ended up coming back and we came to the U.S. together. Wow. So when you guys came to the U.S., this is obviously in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, came to the U.S. and you guys 78, had... around 77, 78. Yes. And so we, we obviously had to be around 77 because in 78, someone was entered into the world. And who was yeah, that? 77. That's Melita, my daughter. The oldest daughter. So now mm-hmm. she's born. How how was life in the very beginning? If you guys were barely getting into the States and trying to get acclimated, how was your living situation well, when with we now came, your first child well, in the world? When we came, you know, my husband, because it took so long when he went home, but the thing he came, he lost his job. He had his bachelor's degree and everything. He lost his job. He used to work for Simplex. And from one thing to another. So we were we were in New York for a little bit. And we decided to come back to, to California. But my husband was established here. So but he came back and there was no job for him because you know, people are not gonna hold on for your job forever because he was gone for a while. So but from one to another, I had to take A or B or C or different job. And then um, we had to end up staying in a hotel because he gave up his apartment and everything. And from hotel to another, I met his friend. He said, you know what? Come stay with us. He had a two-bedroom apartment. And we stayed there. And we managed. And I was then I ended up pregnant. So hello. So, But then my husband decided to go back to his old company. And then when he went back to his old company, things changed. We went and got our own place. And so... We had a we had a two bedroom apartment, and uh, we didn't even have dining chair, and everything. We had a, we used to go to Salvation Army. That's where we used to shop. We go to Salvation Army and we got a refrigerator that was always giving problem. Our TV we didn't have no fancy TV. Our TV we we said it was colored, but we had to hit the head, hit the head. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes for the color to come, it was kind of fuzzy. We had the black and white in the room. My husband and I used to he want to watch. Uh, maybe 
some sports. I want to watch Donnie and Marie, you know? So we, we stayed in the apartment and we, I was a housewife for two years and I decided I need to work um, because, you know, my husband would give me allowance and from that allowance, I will use it to send money home to my siblings. I will buy fabric for them because I can't afford to buy uh, outfits, made outfit for them. I'll buy fabric for all of them. You know, I did. I would save the money by A, B, C, D, E for everybody. And then from the, from one end to another end, and one day one of my guys said, you know, you guys can get a house. We said, get a house? What do you mean? We didn't even know how to buy a house. But because we're not in debt, we didn't know all the qualification. Um, we think they are, we got we got approved. We didn't have money for closing costs, but it was a 90-day escrow. So around that time, we got some money and so on and so forth. So we moved to Long Beach on 69th Street. And my husband um, was doing well with his company. And then it came to a point they were discriminating against him, blah, blah, blah. So I encouraged, I said, you need to quit that job. So then my husband, because then I, I was working, but again, they didn't treat me well, whatever job I was doing. And I quit. That's when I decided to go into Avon. My husband thought I was crazy. So <laughs> anyway, he ended up having his own business and the rest was history. And within six months of having his business, we moved to Carson and our lives changed for the yeah, better. Your life changed, you know, and I, I do remember the stories of when you were pregnant with my older sister, you would catch what six buses one way working in a factory or something like that, right? And then you had to eventually end up quitting that. And then the story, the rest is history. Um, but yeah, I used that's to catch six buses because I used to mm -hmm. walk and go to school. And I was doing my dinner stuff. And so I would catch six bus one way, six walk back. So, but I used to get fired on all those itty bitty jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. Right. So that's when I said I went to the Avon, and from Avon, the rest was history. Right. And then so you moved to Carson. Before you moved to Carson, you had another child you know we don't want to you know we had some 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 strapping young man some handsome uh young young guy if i remember correctly um you was in labor the shortest with this one right this young man that you yeah. had when you before you moved to carson we skipped over that a little bit um you know we, we you know you know what the people really want to know you know that just let them know that i was am your favorite child just everybody needs to know that i'm your favorite i think the people want to know your favorite I child was me, right? Every child, I love all my kids. <laughs> I know A or B will not agree because, you know, in life, you don't choose. Every kid has their own identity and personality. And sometimes you bump heads. But when they get older, they get to realize, hmm, my, they, they, they're right. They did because every time we try to do something, it's for your own good. And, you know, we are from West Africa. We have a different culture. We were raised differently. So um, here, kids tell their mama, shut up. We don't allow those things. You can't be disrespectful. You can't be disobedient. You have to listen. And so in Africa, they said that, which means when you don't listen, when they tell you, when things hit you, then you're going to listen. So we prepared. We did everything that we had to, how we know how to, that we were not perfect. But this is what we know. We try to bring value. So you guys, we try to bring Christianity. We used to go to church. Every Sunday got involved in all kind of stuff. But it's very tough. Uh, and America is a very tough, it's a good country. But sometimes culture clashes with today's society when it comes to raising your kids. And so we just put everything in God's hands. And we had you. I remember when I was in labor with you, I, was, I used to watch Dynasty. 
I said, no, I want to finish watching Dynasty, then I go have you. We'll deliver it. So I had, but you were the easiest childbirth I had. And so you came in this world. Um, you were not a bad kid, but you were a handful. <laughs> but uh, handful in different sense. I remember when we were in the house, um, we were inside, you opened the gate and go out in the street. But so that's how we end up having a gate in the front. Thank God they didn't steal you because nowadays people steal kids, uh, all this sick stuff is happening. But um, uh, all my kids are special in their own ways. And I just want to ask God to continue to guide them and bless them. And so we moved to Carson and you end up with a bunch of friends. And um, we end up with another one, Elgin. He passed away, may his soul rest in peace. And so I don't know what else to say, Mikey. Um, you were a handful. And <laughs> um, it, it was a lot and lot and lot. But again, it's okay. Sometimes we, it, you have to bump some hurdles for you to find your path. And I'm thankful to God for showing you the path. And I pray to God for health and strength for all of you guys. Well, uh, you, you did mention um, Elgin, the, the baby. Um, you don't have to speak on it if you want, but I just wanted to open up a wrinkle um, towards, towards the end here. We're finishing up. And um, a lot of people go through this. Um, our, my sister, your oldest, she started an organization about this. And a lot of people who listen to this like to grab something too, something they can learn from. If you're able to, could you speak or are you willing to speak a little bit more about um, how it is to lose a child, um, especially with um, the mental health, pushing of mental health um, in this in this country? Do, do you want to speak on that a little bit? Well, you know, everybody have different mental issues. I don't know. I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist to tell you what. Losing a child is the worst thing in life for any mother. I don't wish that for anyone because in Elgin's case, he didn't give us any call to say, okay, well, he was a troublemaker. He was this and that. He went to college, very happy kid. He was popular. He comes home every week. We make sure he comes home um, with JetBlue. So we talked to him nearly every day, but whatever I was going through, I didn't know. That was a time in my family, in my life, um, uh, it was a dark because my husband got sick suddenly. Uh, he's still going through it, so I've been 16 years. My sister, one of my favorite sisters, passed away in London, and Edgy was close to her. Then my mom had stroke. So many fire was blazing all over the place. Then Edgy was going through his own I didn't know what it was, but he loved family. And so um, I don't want to go through everything. because I just want to skip here and there, but losing a child is tough. And that's as if you had an earthquake or a tornado. You were in your house, everything fall up. I look at that tornado that happened the other day. Who was asking for that? Or whenever sometimes there's an earthquake, nobody asked for that. And Elgin's passing, it's like a wound. It's like it's, it's something stabbing you in the heart. And so I try to move forward because, you know, whatever I do or anybody do, will not bring him back. And I know wherever he is, he wants us to move forward. He was not a selfish kid either. He wants everybody to be happy. He used to tell me, mom, 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 you've done such a wonderful job with all of us. I can't wait to spoil you when I got wealthy. Elgin will shop for me from Neiman Marcus. He was a kid. 
he was like a second husband. He come from college on Wednesdays. I go to the produce market. I come home late. Mom, mom, you don't even need to do already, but this, that, 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 that. You know exactly what I needed. So, but you know, he's no longer here. So I am trying to heal, but that healing is never going to go away. So he's uh, mentally, and you just have to be, so people ask me, how are you going to be? So what can I do? I can't be like a, 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 a water, a rice, a, a you put a bunch of water, you collapse all over the place. So I have to be strong for you guys. And for me, I have my way of healing. I do visit his graveside when I can nearly every Sunday. I take him flowers. And I know people say, oh, move on. But that's okay. This is what I choose to do. Everybody do things differently. And I don't know where he's at. I, I believe in life after death. So people may say, he's not even there. I don't even want to hear all that rubbish. Everybody have their belief. And my belief is different from other people. And if I can help somebody, I want to do that. I can reach out, encourage you. It's tough. It's, but it's not the end of the world. You still have to be there to help others. Nobody killed my son. You know, he left, and I can't blame him on other people. So whatever happened, it happened for a reason. I don't know what it is or whatever went in his head or why he did that. I don't know. But I was not able to save him. So if, but if I can save somebody, I want to do that. And I can be selfish and, um, and greedy. I will still be there to help other people, encourage other people, um, bless and praise and uplift other people's kids. It's okay. We all can be doctors and lawyers. You know, everybody's child is special. So mine was special. He gone. So it's okay. I just want to be there for other people. And mental illness, if you can go see a counselor, talk to them or um, whatever you can do, do healing. Do whatever you can do, but don't always be mad. And you know, it's not fair. Why are you getting mad at other people for? What did they do to you? That's not right because everybody has feelings, you know. So if you're upset, just find a way to chill. It's not fair to bully other people or be mean to people or say bad things. Nobody killed your sibling or nobody killed your son or daughter. It's not fair to other people, they're hurting too. Because if you have a mood swings, it's not fair to the other people, you know? So just find a way to compose yourself and compact yourself and just show compassion. That's all. And I will add to that, too. Um, and thank you for that, Mom. Um, there are sometimes we don't see them, but they're all telltale signs. There are different ones. There's ones where people are um, showing like they're releasing things, things they're just, they're getting rid of. It's like they're removing things from their life. You may think they're being philanthropists, but they actually are making a huge change. Another thing is too, you can see things where people's um, demeanors change, completely change, and they seem very distant where before they were not. Um, then the final thing is you have, we call them your strong friends. The ones who always seem like they have everything together, but no one seems to check on them because they always seem like they have it together. I would implore all of you guys to do that. The people you, you, you don't think to check on, check on them. Sometimes just a simple text, just a simple call can completely change the, the trajectory of that person's life. You just don't know how many lives you're saving when you're just being a nice person. All right, mom. So um, final thing is... Um, final thing is, is there, an, is there a final thought you want to leave everyone here with? Well, in life, God gave everybody a gift. One thing I have to tell people, don't look, the fingers are different. We all can be doctors and lawyers, 
My husband always say, if you're going to be a janitor, be the best janitor you can be. So find your niche. If you like to play drums, play your drums. If you like to sing, sing. If you, whatever you can do, make the best out of it. Say, so you know what? Your time coming and embrace others. If somebody's doing well, it's okay. Don't be envious or jealous because we all need each other. You know, so don't, 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 don't belittle yourself. Don't think, oh, because I don't have a PhD. You ask many people PhD, don't even have money to buy toilet tissue. So the bottom line is surround yourself with winners. I'm not saying you all have to have money. Money is not everything in life. It's inner peace. Because you can have all the money and you're still miserable. Share. Embrace the pool that you can, uh, you can relate with. Please. I, I, like I, I'm not going to say something. I always say broken, broken, make the right equation. You can't be hanging out with people that are broke all the time. Because how many, how many advice you give them, they're not doing anything better. Don't waste the powder on the frog. It's not going to stick. So move on forward. Because sometimes in Africa, they said a monkey's hand is black. I don't care how you scrub it and scrub it. It's still going to be black. So for me, I, I like a progressive mind. I like winners, I like achievers, and I'm not going back to change you because sometimes you can't change people. You can only do so much, so I just move forward because that creates stress. And you choose your battles. If you have, I have friends, we have been friends from, oh my goodness, for years and years, we're still friends, we're like sisters. We're all different. I love fashion, I like all kind of materials. Some of them are not like that, but doesn't mean they're bad, they can afford it. They have the green in the bank. But that doesn't mean you're going to belittle anyone. Everybody have ways of, there are different choices in life. We all can love cars. We all can love clothes. Everybody's different. Appreciate whoever you have close to you. Embrace them. And if you can help them, help them. If you, can, if you cannot, leave them alone. I always say I stay in my lane. If you need counselor, go see a doctor. I'm not a counselor. <laughs> if you need a therapy, because you can only do so much and then because then you have to if you nagging, 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 and it's not healthy for anybody. I look and I observe. If I say one or two things, I leave you alone. Because I don't have, then you come out, oh, I just want to tell you I'm so sorry. Yes, because I'm not going to waste my energy and time. It's not worth it. Not that I don't care. Yes, I care. I'm just going to go to the next one. Even at school, when I was an admissions rep, I, I have four or five students, and I do the best. I will do the best. You can take a horse to the water, you can't force a horse to drink. So I go to the next horse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to waste my time because you see, they still want to hang with all those dogs. I'm not dealing with that. Because you're not supposed to be. Because you hang with dogs, you get fleas. So you go to the next one. If I can put some smile in your face and help you change your life, I want to do that. But if I see you don't want to progress, I leave you alone. I don't have time for that. I, move, I, don't have, I have zero tolerance for nonsense. I don't have time for that. So I'm a plain preacher. I'll tell you what I, at least you know where I'm coming from in a nice professional way. Then I move forward. You're not going to hear from me again because I'm done. I'm done. What? I know sometimes it's not Christian or what, but you know what? Nobody's going to drive me crazy. If I know you don't want to listen, I'll leave you alone because you know why? That person will never change. So why am I wasting my time? I go to somebody that I know going to accept what I tell them and we move forward. That's it. Well, you know, mom, I know, I know, even though you retired, 
I know that you're a very, very busy person. I kept, I took enough of your time today and I appreciate you. I want to leave you with this. I want to say thank you. I know out of all your children, I gave you the most grief. That's okay. <laughs> it makes us stronger. No comments. <laughs> people who know us listening to this can all laugh at that. And people who just know me say, I can see that. But I want to say thank you for all the times that you um, strengthened me by correcting me and making sure I did well. Cause there were times where I had you crying at school because I almost got expelled for being who I was um, for, for talking back and for fighting and all those different things, having to change schools. You did all that to make sure that I could stay alive. I get that. You, you even said you wanted me, you wanted me to go to a certain school just so I could be away from the things that would uh, 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 deter me, the things that would make me go down the wrong path. Even in my 40s, you're still telling me, don't go here, make sure you go home, because you're still, no matter how old I get, I finally realize that you're always going to be my mother. And I say thank you for that. I now, as I'm older and wiser, I can see everything you did is because you love me, because you love us. And I appreciate you because you didn't have to. There's a lot of people who discard their children. They, they'll send them off to a for a orphanage or whatever the case may be. But you poured into us. You sacrificed for us. And I say, Mom, I honor you. I cherish you. I thank you. And I love you more than you will ever know. So thank you so much for being who you are and for sacrificing so much for us and, and just being the beacon of light that all of us Everybody, not just us kids, but everyone you touched along the way. So we thank you. We honor and we praise you, Mom. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining. The time is now this week. Appreciate you, Mom. Okay, Mikey. Stay focused. <laughs> Here you go again. Make sure you eat right. <laughs> See, <laughs> still momming. Still being right. a mom. <laughs> Do what's right. And um, don't get upset. Well, just well. up and move on. Yeah. You, can't teach people, you can't teach old dog a new trick. Don't leave folks alone. Just stay in your lane. You know me, mom. Right? I'm, a, I'm a coach by nature, so I'm always going to try to better people. That's what I, I do. Know. I'm going to try. I don't give up on people as, as easy. Yeah, I know. I it's know. It's not healthy. It's, right. not, it's not what you have a daughter, you have a yeah. wife. Yeah. Focus on them. Got okay? you. If anything happens, my eyes say she needs you. Your wife needs you. You have a beautiful wife. And may God bless her. So just be happy with what you have. And God will open the way one day. It's okay. It's never too late. You won't separate and just do what's right. And God sees. He's not sleeping. All right, Mom. Well, All right. I, pre I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on. Um, you have a great rest of your day. Everyone else, have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to The Time Is Now. Have a great day, people. We do not have the rights to this music. Is there anything or anyone that I
just wouldn't feel right and if I didn't have you by my side You were there for me to love and care for me When skies were gray Whenever I was down You were always there to comfort me and no one else can be what you have been to me You will always be
Well, guys, that concludes our special, special episode with Annie Stafford to finish off Women's Heritage Month. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I have. Very vulnerable interview. Good times. One for the record books. You guys enjoy the rest of your week. Shalom.